Hey everybody and welcome to Soccer Foot and Football. I hope you've been enjoying all the episodes that I have released so far, uh, especially that most recent episode I had with Darren Valeri. Hope you really enjoyed that one. If you haven't listened to it, go right ahead and do that, but then of course come back to this episode. Uh, this episode is actually going to be our first episode on the Champions League. It's starting back up next week and boy am I excited. It's uh, It's been too long without Champions League, so... Happy that it's coming back up the next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be an episode where I'm going to go into the four matchups that are happening next week. I'm going to analyze um, kind of the lineups, the matchups. I'm going to give you a little bit of some predictions and some pregame analysis and do all that for the four games that are coming up next week. And then that way, next week, I'll be able to release an episode analyzing the four games that happened and also doing a pregame analysis for the four games that will be happening the weekend after or the week after rather so yeah without further ado let's go into our first matchup all right the first game i want to talk about is dortmund versus psg so this game will be happening in germany the first leg and it's going to be on tuesday so Currently, Dortmund is sitting third in the Bundesliga. They got 21 games played with 11 wins, 6 ties, and 4 losses. But every single one of those losses, those 4 losses, has come away from home. So I think uh, it's going to be pretty important in terms of uh, the first leg here. That uh, they, they haven't lost at home. I mean, that just goes to show, I think, the importance of, uh, of Dortmund's fans and, and that tremendous fan base they have. I'm pretty sure they have the highest average attendance out of anybody in Europe right now. But... So that's definitely going to play an important role. Um, however, they did just lose to Bayern Leverkusen over the weekend, and I believe they conceded um, three and or four three. Sorry, they lost four three. Uh, so conceding four goals, um, not ideal. Not ideal a way to prep the Champions League, especially when you're going to be facing PSG and the tremendous lineup we know they have. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk about PSG in a second. We do know that Dortmund has also scored uh, a lot of goals this season. They have 59 goals in the Bundesliga, which is the most out of anyone in the league. I would think they're one ahead of Bayern at the time of this recording. Uh, but, I mean, when you have Royce, Haaland, Sancho, Hazard, Götze, the list goes on, you're going to score some goals. Uh, even though we have a couple injuries um, to cover, you still got tremendous talent up there, so no surprise that they're scoring. But... But they are also conceding, clearly. Uh, they have 32 goals against in 21 games played, which is not a tremendous uh, record to have, especially when you consider teams such as Bayern and, and Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach, who only have 23 goals against. So, so not, not ideal, especially since uh, seven, of their most, or seven of their most recent goals conceded happened in the last uh, two games. They, they've conceded seven and two, so... Not not great recently. However, their their Champions League performance um, in the fall was was really strong. I mean, they finished second of their group, and that was a group with Barcelona, Inter, and uh, Prague. So, so a, a tough group to to finish second in, considering how well Inter is doing in Serie A. I think they just passed Juventus on goal average last weekend for the lead. So, so really a a, a tough group. But they uh, they tied Barcelona zero zero. Um, when they were at home, and then they lost 3-1 in Spain. They lost 2-0 to Inter in Italy, but they won 3-2 at home. And then they beat Slavia Prague um, 0-2 uh, 
and beat them 2-1 to one when back in Germany. So clearly you can see already the distinction between Borussia Dortmund's home and away performances. They tied Barca and beat Inter at home, but they lost to both of them away. Um, I think it is important to note that while they did beat Inter at home, they conceded two in that game. So I think um, I think more more defensive struggles are, are to come for for Dortmund. Um, in terms of how they're going to line up, like I said, they have a couple couple injuries to watch out for. Royce is not going to be there, and Julian Brandt is not going to be there either. So I think, in my opinion, those would probably be two starters if they were fit. But unfortunately, they're not they're not going to be there for for at least the first leg. Royce will probably miss the second leg as well. I'm not sure about Julian Brandt. But anyway, I think the the best thing for Dortmund to do would probably be to line up in a 4-2-3-1. I think they need to to get the win at home because clearly their away performances haven't been up to standards. So if they don't get a good result at home, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle. So they need to go somewhat offensively, but also not taking too many risks so that they don't concede too many away goals. We know how important those away goals can be in the Champions League. So I think 4-2-3-1 is going to be the way they line up uh, with Berkey in goal. I think Guerrero will line up at left back. Zagadu, Hummels will take care of the back line. And Akaji will take care of the right uh, right back position. The two defensive mids will probably be Witzel and Emre Chan. Uh, Emre Chan scored it absolute stunner of a goal um over the weekend absolute beauty uh so if you haven't seen that go ahead and check it out but yeah they'll be probably starting at holding mid um then i think it starts to get a little tricky i think for the trio i would probably go sancho gutza in the middle and hazard i think that's probably your best bet uh originally i wanted to have brant in that center attacking mid but given his injury, I think Gutzel will probably take that spot, even though he's a little bit more offensive. Um, if you want to go with a more defensive lineup, you could take Gutzel out. You could probably put Hazard in the middle and push Guerrero to to the wing, and then put like Piszczek, uh out on the outside back. But that's how I think they're going to line up, and they they're going to score some goals. I think. I mean, they have the second. Sancho has the second most assists in Europe's top five leagues, only behind Kevin De Bruyne, and and that's with 13 assists so far on the year. So, so I think he's going to be an important factor, and I think PSG have to come up with some tactics defensively to match up with, with that trio of Sancho, Hazard, Götze, who are just going to feed Haaland all day long. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for Dortmund. On PSG's side... Um, I'm going to go straight into the lineup just to go ahead and counter what I was saying with Dortmund. I think PSG needs to line up in a 4-2-3-1 as well. Uh, or no, a 4-3-3 rather, instead of a 4-2-3-1 like they have been recently. I think Navas will start in goal. Then you'll probably have Silva and Kimpembe at center back. Silva's coming back from injury, but he should be okay to play. Uh, Bernat and Meunier at the outside backs. Uh, they're also kind of coming back from small injury struggles, but I think they should be able to play as well. And then it starts to get a little tricky. So ideally, I would have a Marquinhos holding mid with Verratti and Gay sitting right in front of him, just like PSG had against Madrid. But Marquinhos might not be there. Marquinhos is still coming back from injury. Not sure if he's going to be match fit. So alternatively, I would throw Gay in at the holding mid position and play perhaps Verratti 
and then either Paredes or Herrera next to Verratti. I would most likely go Herrera because I think those two positions that are playing in front of the holding mid are going to be what dictates who wins this game. Because if we go, let's say it's Marquinhos is fit and it's Verratti and Gay. Verratti and Gay are going to need to cover Bernat and Meunier and offer them help throughout the entire game. Because Sancho and Hazard are going to run at Bernat and Meunier like it's no one's business. So I think they really need some support out there. And it's going to be the responsibility of those two midfielders to come back and help. And if those two midfielders do a good job of, of holding that down while also controlling the midfield, I think that's where PSG will win the game. However, you probably noticed that uh, you can't have Mbappe, Di Maria, Neymar, Andy Cardi, or Cavani, given the way I, I would structure the midfield. So I would actually bench Icardi and Cavani for this game. I would put Mbappe up top, and I would put Di Maria and Neymar on the wings. The reason for that is I believe PSG has a good chance of scoring on the counter for this game. I think if you watched the last game, you saw that Voland really got in behind Hummels on numerous occasions, and his first goal is him getting in behind Hummels, and Mbappe can do that no problem. I think what will happen is is Dortmund will attack, and, and PSG will actually score first on the counter. That's that that's my prediction. And then I think PSG will, will sit back too much, actually, after they score. I think they'll start getting into that PSG mentality of being scared in the Champions League. They'll sit back too much. They'll concede. And then I think they'll ultimately win the game. So I have PSG winning 2-1 to in Germany, which is pretty rare for a French team, but uh, that's what I would uh, put my money on, 2-1 PSG in Germany. Uh, I didn't talk about PSG's performances in the Champions League, but I think, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, they've been dominant. They won every single game except for in Madrid against Real Madrid where they tied 2-2. They were dominated in that game, but it showed some mental strength to come back 2-2. So, I mean, they've conceded two goals in the Champions League and scored 17 out of six games, which is pretty crazy. So I think they'll continue on that streak and win 2-1 in Germany. All right, the second game we have to talk about is Atletico versus Liverpool happening in Madrid on Tuesday as well. So Atletico's had a decent start to the season, or I guess we're past halfway at this point, but decent, but really, really could be better. They're, they're fourth in La Liga with 23 played. They have 10 wins, 9 ties, and 4 losses. Uh, they only have 23 goals for, which is really concer- concerning considering Real Madrid have 40 and Barcelona 52 at the time of this recording. So Barca has over double the amount that Atletico have, and Real Madrid has almost double the amount that Atletico has. However, of course, as we expect with Atletico, their main strength is their defense, their back line. They only have uh, 15 goals against, which is... Nothing, really, in, in 23 played. I think only Real Madrid has less with 14 goals against at the time of this recording. But but really, Atletico, always tremendous defensively uh, from a neutral standpoint. Sometimes not that enjoyable to watch, but, but that's what they're good at. Uh, in terms of the Champions League, they finished second of their group. That had uh, Juventus, Bayern Leverkusen, Lokomotiv Moscow. They have a co- couple notable results here. I mean, they... They tied 2-2 against Juventus, which is a decent result, especially considering that they scored two against uh, Juventus. Uh, however, 
clearly when they open up and try to score some more, they also concede. I mean, they conceded too. Um, that was in Madrid. They also lost 1-0 in Turin. They beat uh, Moscow twice, and they won against Bayern Leverkusen in Madrid 1-0 and lost in Germany 2-1. So in total, eight goals for and five goals against. So not a great ratio, but kind of keeping along with Atletico Madrid, scoring the bare minimum kind of just to to do the job. <clears throat> in terms of how they're going to line up, I think there are a couple different options, really, depending on how uh, defensive Simone wants to go. I think he'll most likely stick with four at the back and go with somewhat of a 4-5-1 or kind of a 4-4-1-1, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, obviously, Oblak and goal, to me, Oblak is one of the best top three goalkeepers in the world. So tremendous advantage there. They'll probably go Renan Lodi at left back, uh, Trippier at right back. Then at center back, I mean, they have a lot of options between Jimenez, Felipe, Hermoso, and even, even Savic. Personally, I have a preference for Jimenez and Felipe, but I think any of those four could play. Even I think even three of them could play in this game if he chooses to go five at the back, but I don't think that's something he'll do. Instead, I think he'll he'll make sure his center mid is strong with, with Thomas Party and Herrera. Um, so playing those two in front of the defense is, is always a good solution with just the strength and control of, of Thomas Party and, and Herrera, just an absolute workhorse in there. He'll probably go Saul and Koke out on the wings. He's got a couple of different options there, in, including Carrera or, or Carrasco, who was added to their Champions League roster after uh, coming over uh, the winter transfers. And in front of them, he'll probably go Juan Felix and Morata. I'm not 100% sure on the Morata bit. Uh, I think Juan Felix will play, but there is a chance that he decide to just put Juan Felix a little bit higher up the field and instead of putting Morata, he plays with another center back. Maybe he plays with Carrera in the midfield additionally to try and, and make more of a mess in there. Or, or maybe he just adds a center back. So so really, I'm, it, it depends on how aggressive Diego Simeone wants to be and if he wants to win the game or just come out with a with a draw. I mean, they are they are playing Liverpool, so, so we shall see. And then uh, in terms of Liverpool... Um, I already talked about their their BPL performances and and how I'm in love with the football they play, even though I'm not a Liverpool fan. But it's just beautiful to watch. So so I'll just skip the BPL and go straight into their Champions League performance. Uh, decent, really, but subpar considering it, what they've been doing in the BPL, in my opinion. I mean, they won their group, but they lost 2-0 in Naples and didn't manage to beat Napoli um, at Anfield, despite Napoli's struggles in uh, in the Serie A this year. But 13 goals for, so pretty good in six games, obviously. But eight goals against, so showing some, some weaknesses a little bit defensively at times. But, but I don't think that'll come through. I think it's because during the Champions League group stage, they were probably more focused on the BPL. I'm not saying that the Premier League is wrapped up. But Jurgen Klopp can kind of give some players some rest here and there to, to make sure they're stronger in the Champions League. Uh, Liverpool does have a little bit of a break right now. I, they have one or two games before the... or probably one game before the Champions League again. Um, but I think some, some players will be will be more... will be fresher than, than during the group stage. And, and I think they'll be able to, to rectify some of the mistakes they made in the group stage. So I think Liverpool will pretty much be at full strength. Um, 
There's some slight uncertainty with Mane, uh, but he. I just read today actually that he's expected to to kind of test the waters um, this weekend in terms of his game fitness without putting too much risk and that he'll most likely play against Atletico. So with that in mind, I think they're just going to go Allison in goal with Robertson, Virgil van Dijk, Gomez, and Alex Arnold at the back. Um, then they'll obviously go Mane, Firmino, and Salah, assuming all of them are still fit up top. And then as usually is with Liverpool, really the question is which three in the midfield. So I've gone with Henderson, Fabinho, and Wijnaldum. I think Henderson's been a monster this season in terms of leadership, getting stuck in and controlling the game. I think Atletico is going to try to be really aggressive in the midfield, and Jordan Henderson can match that intensity. And I think Fabinho can do it too, which is why I picked Fabinho in there. And then Wijnaldum could kind of provide that extra bit of skill, that extra bit of creativity to, to feed the front three and, and play with them. So so that's what I would go with. Um, but, I mean, obviously there's so many great options at Liverpool that doesn't really matter. Um, ultimately, the three there are going to get the job done and, and do what, uh, what Jurgen wants. In the end, I think this game will end one of two ways. Either 0-0 if Atletico choose to go really defensively. I think they'll be extremely hard to break down if, if, for example, they add Hermoso to the lineup I mentioned and play with five at the back. I think it's a possibility that it ends in a real boring 0-0. But I think if Liverpool score once, they're scoring twice. I think they're, they'll score they'll score two if, uh, if Atletico come out and, and try to win the game. I think that they'll probably lose it 2-0 in the end. So if I had to pick one of those predictions... I would go with Liverpool 2-0. Um, I think Atletico is, is too weak this year. They haven't recruited well enough, uh, especially in the offensive third, and they're uh, they're not going to be able to to hold on to, to Liverpool, and they'll lose this one 2-0. So, yeah, so far I've got two away wins, but uh, we'll see what, uh, what the other matchups bring uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, our first Wednesday matchup is Atalanta versus Valencia happening in Italy. I mean, did anyone really expect Atalanta to be here? Uh, Probably not. I mean, their group wasn't the most difficult, but uh, crazy to think about how far they've come in just a couple years. Um, Right now in Serie A, they're in in fourth place with 23 matches played, 12 wins, uh, 6 draws, 5 losses. So really good so far, but... uh, Really, what's interesting to look at with Atalanta is uh, is their goals for and against. They have 61 goals scored this year. That's 17 more than Juventus and 13 more than Inter. Um, recently, they beat Torneo 7-0. So if you want to watch some entertaining soccer, watch Atalanta. I mean, they go at it and they just attack, 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 and they will not stop. However, that does mean they are pretty vulnerable at the back. They have 31 goals against, which no one in the top four in Serie A has more than 23. Uh, so not not great defensively, but I think it's a good change of pace in Serie A, which which often is uh, is considered a defensive league. But but Atalanta is is clearly not a defensive team, and that was uh, somewhat true in in the Champions League as well. I mean, they finished second behind City. And they, they took a while to get going, really, in this group. They lost their first three games. They lost 4-0 in the 
in Croatia to, to Dimino Zagreb. Then they lost 1-2 um, against Shakhtar Donetsk in Italy. And then they lost 5-1 in Manchester. So at the end of three games, they had uh, 11 goals conceded and two goals scored. And really had to had to wake up to to qualify, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, the the next three, they tied one one against City, then they won two zero against Zagreb at home, and then they went to Shakhtar Donetsk and won three zero. So they conceded one goal in their last three games, despite having conceded eleven in the first three, <clears throat> and put put some goals away to to qualify. So impressive performance from them, and I think it it goes to show kind of the the mental strength of that team and or and the fact that they don't know when they're beat. I mean, three games, three losses, and then you turn around and, and you qualify. It's, uh, it's impressive. Um, in terms of how they're going to line up, I'm not going to pretend like I know Atalanta's lineup very well, so I, I don't think it'll be very beneficial for me to, to just pull up a team sheet and, and go through it. But, but I'll tell you what, I think uh, I know one thing, and it's Gomez is a monster. I mean, he is so fun to watch. Um, captain of Atalanta, number 10, if I'm not mistaken. And he he's everywhere on the pitch offensively, just creating opportunities, finishing them off, beating men on the dribble, beating them for pace. I mean, he he's just a machine out there. And, and I think he has six goals and 10 assists in Serie A this year. He's scoring like it's like it's for fun. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think he's going to score in, in this game. I, He's uh he's at least gonna get one, but uh I think Valencia will at least get one too because Valencia uh, they haven't been great in Syria they have their seventh with ten wins seven ties and six losses and and twenty three played uh, they've got thirty three goals for thirty two against so really just average at, at best um, not where they want to be but um, but that's where they are I mean they they're struggling a little bit in the Syria but. Or excuse me, La Liga. I don't know why I said Syria right there, but La Liga. And they, uh, but they have done well in in the Champions League. I mean, they they had a real tough group. They uh, they beat Chelsea one zero in London, and then they tied them two to two in Spain. They lost to Ajax zero three at home, which was a, a, a bad performance. But then they went on to win one zero in Amsterdam in a in the elimination game. That was their sixth game. And then they tied Lille 1-1 and beat them 4-1. So I think there are a couple of interesting things to note there. Is, um, the first one being the 1-0 away win in Amsterdam for the qualification. That was the last game. Both teams needed some points, and, and Valencia pulled it off. 1-0 in Amsterdam. That's crazy considering how well Amsterdam had been uh, playing last season. They, of course, did lose a lot of key players. But still, to do that is, is super impressive. And they also won 1-0 in London. So if, if I'm Atalanta and I see that Valencia won 1-0 against Chelsea in London, 1-0 in Amsterdam, it's a little bit concerning. But uh, but then if I look at some of the other results, like losing to Ajax 3-0 at home and and tying 2-2 against Chelsea uh, in, at home as well, shows that Valencia can be vulnerable. So I think this game will be a good one. I think uh, it's two teams that have nothing to lose in a sense. They... Uh, at the start of the season, if they had set objectives, it was to make it out of the group stage, if anything. And, and at this point, they've done that. So they, they've got nothing to lose. And I think they're two teams that are pretty happy with uh, with the opponent they drew and two teams that are going to shoot their shots. So with that in mind, I'm, I'm ready to make a pretty 
bold projection here and and go ahead and say two to two. I think I think this one's going to be a good one. Uh, I'm excited to watch it on Wednesday. Two teams that we aren't used to seeing on a on a Wednesday night. We're, we're maybe used to seeing them on a Thursday, especially Valencia, but but not a one, not on a Wednesday. So I'm excited for this one, and uh, I say it ends two two with a goal from Gomez for sure. And from the Valencia side, I think Rodrigo is a player to watch. And I'll also throw in there uh, Daniel Vaz because that's a, a personal favorite of mine. He uh, played in League One a while back for Evian Tonongaya, which is a small French team in the south of France who I, I don't even know if they're in the third division anymore in France, but they were they were in the first division a while back and had Daniel Vaz. And I always thought he was a special player to watch when I was young, and I think he still is. Um, in terms of notable players missing, Gabriel Palista did get suspended because he got a red card against Ajax in that last game. So more defensive issues for Valencia there, which will probably open up the field a little bit more and, uh, and yeah, cause there to be a, a 2-2 just like I predict. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we have a great matchup in Tottenham versus Leipzig. Uh, Tottenham, I've already talked about in terms of the BPL, so not going to do that again. You can go back and listen to that episode. Um, but in terms of the Champions League, they finished second in their group, which is pretty much exactly where everyone expected them to finish. They were with Bayern, Belgrade, and Olymp- Olympiacos, so really everyone kind of expected them to finish second in that. Um, they tied Olympiacos 2-2 and won 4-2 at home. Against Belgrade, they won 5-0 and 4-0. But then against Bayern, they lost 2-7 in London. And they lost 3-1 in Germany. So, kind of a mixed bag here. Uh, Probably conceded more goals than you would like. 14 against. But they do have Mourinho since. Um, So, it's probably a lot tougher to score against a Mourinho-managed team. Uh, than it is Pochettino. That's nothing against Pochettino. That's just style of play and uh, and the way they coach. Um, that two to seven against Bayern is very concerning, especially given the fact that you're playing another German opposition, Leipzig, which has some similarities with Bayern in terms of the, how they play. So it'll be interesting to see how they recover from that. Um, in terms of how they're going to line up, uh, Loris is obviously going to be in goal. And if you had a chance to watch the Tottenham City game recently. I mean, you just saw what Lloris can do and how much Tottenham missed him. Um, he's an absolute fantastic goalkeeper. Um, he proves it over and over again, even if people doubt him, but it's great for Tottenham to have him back. Um, the back line will probably be Aurier, Alderweireld, Sanchez, but then there's a little bit of a doubt as to who's going to play left back. Um, Davies seems to be listed as doubtful, actually. So there are a couple different options you can do here, like Vertonghen, Tangog, excuse me, Tanganga, uh, the 20-year-old Englishman. But personally, I would I would go with Davies if he's available. Um, but it sounds like he might be injured. Then in the midfield, something tells me Mourinho is going to want to try Eric Dyer again in the midfield, um, especially given some, some mixed results defensively. I think having Dyer in the midfield would be something Mourinho wants to do. So I've gone and put Dyer, Winks, and Bergwin... I still don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, the new the new mid for Tottenham who scored that fantastic volley a couple weeks ago now. But that's the three I've gone with. But you also have options such as Ndombele, I believe he's a match fit, Lo Celso, and even Fernandez, uh, who came in uh, over the winter transfers, I believe. 
So a couple different things you can go there. The reason I went Dyer and Winks is to hold down the, the midfield. Um, we know how valuable away goals are, so I think Mourinho will try to avoid that as much as possible and go with those three and then just have Deli Ali, Son Heung-Ming, and, and Lucas Mora just go for speed up top. I mean, Harry Kane is still injured. He He's not going to play, but but those three are, are definitely good options, especially uh, on the counter and for speed, which is might be a problem depending on how Leipzig line up. Because if Leipzig kind of sit back, Ali, Son, and Lucas are creative and they, and they can have some good some good offensive plays, but but they're so much better on the counter. So this lineup would suit Tottenham better away from home than it than it does in London. But but they'll probably go with something like that. Leipzig, on the other hand, uh, finished or is currently second, I should say, behind Bayern, one point behind. But they have 12 wins, six ties, and three losses in the Bundesliga, um, with 59 goals for, I believe, and 32 against. So some 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 good numbers. Nothing to shy away from, and they're, they're definitely fighting for the title. That's for sure. That's probably their number one goal this year is, is the Bundesliga title. But in the Champions League, they did decent. They had an interesting group where you kind of figured that everybody could beat everybody because they had Lyon, uh, Zenit, and Benfica. So four teams that are more or less around the same level, and that's kind of what it proved out to be. They beat Benfica. Uh, in Portugal, two to one, but then tied them two to two. Uh, they beat Zenit Pantist St. Petersburg two to one at home, and then beat them two zero away. Uh, but then they struggled against Lyon, and they lost two zero in Germany to Lyon, and they tied them two two um, back in France. So a mixed bag of results, but but overall decent. Um, they they've, they're probably happier with what they've done in the Bundesliga than than how the group stage went even though they won the group and and kudos to them for that but but a mixed bag in terms of how Leipzig's going to line up uh, tough to tell I mean most of their Champions League games if I'm not mistaken they lined up at with uh, four at the back but they tied Bayern 0-0 last weekend with a 3-4-3 lineup or a, or a 5-4 one depending on on if you have the ball or or don't but um they might they might line up with the same here given that it's it's away from home maybe they maybe they aren't uh pushing for the win that much and they just they just want to get a decent result that keeps them in the tie so but they do have uh, some injuries and some missing people i think adams is out and he started against Bayern. uh konate's out um upamecano the absolutely fantastic uh center back Young French guy, I think he, I think he's a, he's one to watch for for the future. But he's suspended, I think, for this game, so he's missing from the back line. So a couple people missing, but, but I mean, definitely uh, still have most of their offensive force. They, they have Weiner, Poulsen, uh, Forsberg, I think is is fit too. But, but interestingly enough, I think the one to watch out for is Nkunku. Um, he, XPSG player, didn't get as much playing time as he wanted. Left for Leipzig, and he fits Leipzig perfectly because. Young stud uh, expresses himself on the ball, really gives it his all, and uh, very very technical. And I think he can uh, he can break Tottenham's back line and provide that that pass or provide that moment of skill, that that extra bit that's needed in the Champions League. I think he has it, so I think he's one to watch for. In the end, I'm gonna go with Tottenham on this one, two to one, just giving them the benefit of the doubt because it's in London. But conceding that away goal could be costly uh, down the road, so I'll say I'll say two to one for for this one.
but yeah, that's going to wrap things up in terms of all the pregame analysis for our first set of games. I'll come back after one last break to just tell you who I think is going to win the ties overall rather than just this game. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. All right, I'm just going to list off my four winners rather quickly here uh, to wrap things up. So first, PSG will qualify for the next round. They'll eliminate Dortmund. Next, Liverpool will beat Atletico, I think, pretty comfortably. So Liverpool will advance and Atletico will be eliminated. Uh, Third, Atalanta Valencia. I think that's probably the toughest one to call, in my opinion, out of these four. I'm going to go ahead and say Valencia. I think that little bit more experience is going to be crucial in the second game, especially when Valencia is at home at La Mestalla. And fourth, I will take Leipzig over Tottenham. I think they're going to score in London, and that away goal is going to be crucial, even if the aggregate might end up tied. So I actually have the four group winners qualifying out of these four games, but we shall see. Uh, Stay tuned, or come back rather, next week, and I'll have the four other games predicted, and I'll be able to analyze the first leg of the games we talked about today. So yeah, thanks for listening, and goodbye. (laughs) 